the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, you stop to count your blessings? You take inventory of your life and give thanks to God for His goodness? Because let me tell you what happens. If we just only focus on all the things that trouble us, we will lose sight of the goodness of God. Do not lose sight of the goodness of God in the midst of your difficulties. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Right? And this is what he wants us to see of him. James 1:17. every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. God is good, and we are blessed. Whether the circumstances which we are in are good or bad, we are to remember that God is good, and we are blessed. Pastor Gary asks today whether or not we stop to count our blessings. All good things of this world are from God. And no matter how bad our situations may be, there is always an element of good to be found. Find that good and thank God for it. Never fail to see the goodness of God. Remember that even in the most horrid of circumstances, He offers redemption and grace for us all. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 16 for today's message titled, The Path of Life. Most of the people who know Christ as their Savior don't lack for more information. They lack for a surrender to his lordship. And see, when I've tried, personally speaking, when I've tried to manage things on my own, when I've tried to figure things out all by myself, or when something's out of my control and I begin to imagine the worst, then that's when fear and worry set in. But when I quiet myself and still my soul before the Lord, and I get on my face before God and I seek his face and I acknowledge that he's my Lord and my master and my sovereign ruler, then here's what happens. Then his peace begins to spill over into my heart. And when you begin to surrender every thought, every fear, every distress, and you begin to acknowledge and you begin to confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. He's my master. He's my ruler. He's my sovereign everything. 
then the wonderful thing what happens is that God then begins to move in your heart and his peace begins to pass all understanding to guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, it it is the rest of Psalm 46. When David writes Psalm 46 in verses 1 and 2, he says, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the mountains give way and fall into the depths of the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake, there is a river who makes glad the streams of the city of God. And it is in those moments when we begin to draw near to him and say, okay, Lord, here, here's what I'm going through. Here's, here's my distress. Oh, Lord, you are my refuge. You're my strength. I will not fear though the mountains give way and, the, and they fall into the depths of the sea, though the oceans roar and foam. Oh, God, there is a river that makes glad the streams of God, and the city of God for me. And the stream of gladness begins to just overflow into our hearts because That is the overflow of the relationship that comes through acknowledging he is Lord. Jesus died for our sins. He is Savior. But please do not think that he is Savior only in terms of a ticket to heaven. If he is your Savior, he must also be your Lord. You must surrender to him. David understands surrender here. He says, Yahweh, you are my Adonai. God is. You are my master, you are my ruler, you are my Lord. You know, lordship is the Christmas story too, folks. When the angels appeared to the shepherds as they were tending their sheep in Bethlehem, the angels said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you great news that shall be for all the world. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ, Messiah, The what? The Lord. He is to be Lord. He is Savior and Lord. He is Christ the Messiah and he is Savior and Lord. The path of life begins with acknowledging that God is Lord. The rest of verse 2, David says, apart from you I have no good thing. He acknowledges that everything good is from God and without God he would have no good thing. David counts his blessings. Do you stop to count your blessings? Do you take inventory of your life and give thanks to God for his goodness? Because let me tell you what happens. If we just only focus on all the things that trouble us, we will lose sight of the goodness of God. Do not lose sight of the goodness of God in the midst of your difficulties. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Right? And this is what he wants us to see of him. James 1:17, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. David would say in Psalm 33, sorry, Psalm 13, verse 6, I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. David adds here in Psalm 16, verse 4, he says that life has more sorrow for those who do not make God their Lord. He says in verse 4, the sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. David says, I will not pour out their libations of blood or take up their names on my lips. That whole thing about libations of blood refers to the way that ancient pagan people used to sacrifice to their false gods. It would often include this bloodletting ceremony or the sacrifice of blood. And David says, I haven't joined in their libations of blood. Neither I don't even utter the names of these false gods on my lips. Because there's only one true God. And those who pursue other false gods, 
just increased sorrows in their life. So David says all this about the lordship of God. He acknowledges that God is his Lord. This is what we need to do. And then secondly, the pathway of life, he says here, he shows us by example, is that he accepts the lot God has assigned him. In verses 5 and 6. Look, look at verses 5 and 6 again. He says, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Now, when I say, to summarize those verses, that David accepts his lot in life, I don't mean that in a negative sense. All right, we, you know, we know people who go around going, oh, just my lot in life. You know, and they sound like Eeyore. Remember, you know, and, 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 and Winnie the Pooh, they're just like, well, I'm supposed to be miserable. And, you know, that's just the way life is. I'm, I'm doomed. You know, it's just all this, oh, how pitiful, you know. And so and you don't want to be around the Eeyores of life. But I'm not saying it because I'm, I'm interpreting this in a negative sense. I'm saying it because David writes of it in a very positive sense. Where he, he uses these terms, my portion... He says, the Lord has assigned me my portion and my cup. He says, my lot is secure. And then he, and then he adds in verse 6, he says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. This is all language to describe the wonderful provision of God in his life. He says, God has assigned me my portion. I, I, I have what I have because God has given it to me, my cup in that sense of my plenty. He says, I, I have all of this because God has filled my cup. My lot, he said, is, is secure. It was language of the Old Testament where they would cast lots to divide land in the day. And David is like, you know, the, the lot has been cast. It's secure for me. God has given me land. He's given me provision. My cup runs over here. He says, oh, the boundary lines for, my, for all that I have has fallen in pleasant places. He says, surely I have a delightful inheritance. And he's just thanking the Lord here. He's just thanking the Lord here. That's why he ends, surely I have a delightful inheritance, because when he surveys all that God has provided for him, he realizes that the Lord had given him a wonderfully rich and full life. To accept the lot that God has assigned you means that you are grateful for his many blessings and you are content Right where he has you. You know the problem that a lot of people get into? They get into this discontentment because they always think that they would be happier if something was just different in their life. If this were just different, then I'd be happy. You know, so you have single people saying, if I were just married, I'd be happy. You have married people saying, if I were just single, I'd be happy. <laughs> you have people with no kids saying, I wish I had kids, then I'd be happy. You have people with a lot of kids going, oh, I wish somebody would take these for a day, you know? <laughs> People who are never satisfied with where they are and who they are. I wish I looked like this. I wish I lived there. I wish I had this job. And people are always seeming to live in that kind of, if I only. And what we need to do is just say, Lord, you, you have provided for me. And my cup runs over and my boundaries have fallen in pleasant places. And surely I, I have a wonderful inheritance in the Lord. Now, God can change your circumstance. It doesn't mean that you should never ask God for whatever might be dissatisfying in your life. But I've come to learn over the years that until you can begin to 
just be content where you are, that often the change doesn't come, that God is still trying to teach you something right where you are. And when you rest there and say, and settle that in your heart and say, okay, Lord, this may not be where I want to be, but I'm content, I'm thankful for your goodness in my life, and surely I have a wonderful inheritance. And, and then it's up to God if he wants to change your circumstances. But we need to first learn to rest and be content in all situations. Isn't this what Paul would write in Philippians 4, 11 to 13? He says, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. We need to stop thinking that life would be better if only. And we need to look at our surroundings and say, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. My lot is secure. My boundaries have fallen in pleasant places. Surely I have a good inheritance. Number three on the list, what David shows us by example is he, he adores the God who counsels him. He adores the God who counsels him. Verses 7 and 8, he says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Okay, do you see how the confidence now has been building in his heart? Because he's saying all these things. I'm acknowledging that the Lord is my Lord. He says, I'm accepting how God has been gracious to me and surely I have a wonderful inheritance. And then he begins to praise God for his counsel. He says, the Lord has counseled me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. And you know why he can say that? Even at night, my heart instructs me. It's because he's so immersed in God's word during the daytime that even when he sleeps, God speaks to him in his dreams. He immerses himself so much in the word of God during the day that even at night, God instructs him as he sleeps. This is a wonderful thing that he's saying here. That the word of God is so richly dwelling in me that day or night, God is counseling me. God is instructing me. And he acknowledges and adores and worships God as his counselor. He says, the Lord counsels me. Now, let me just say a word on this. We live in a day when it seems like almost everybody is rushing to some therapist. I got to find a counselor. I got to get a therapist. I, I, you know, I, I got to get somebody who can help me. Okay. That's legitimate. All right. There are some very gifted people who are good counselors who can help people navigate the difficulties of life. Uh, over the years, I've personally benefited from it. Uh, Terry and I together have benefited from it. But I just want to say this. A human advice is no substitute for the counsel of God. And you have to always remember that he is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Run to God and get his counsel. In Psalm 119, verse 24, it says, Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. Sometimes we're quick to seek the advice of people to the neglect of the counsel of God. David adores the God who counsels him. Finally, number four, he anticipates what God has in store for him. This is how the psalm ends. Look at verses 9 and 10. He says, therefore, notice the word therefore there. In Bible college, they always teach you, whenever you see the word therefore, you have to ask, what's it there for? 
because it is a word that bridges the next statement with the previous statements. And so David is saying, because of all this, because I acknowledge that God is my Lord, and, and because I accept my lot, and I'm thankful and grateful for all that God has given me, and I adore the God who counsels me, therefore, my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the grave. Now, notice here, David shifts here. He's thinking about life after death. It's not, it's not a morbid thing that he's doing here. He's just now realizing that there are some things greater than just the here and now. Now, David has no illusions about death. When, when he writes here and he says, you will not abandon me to the grave, he's not saying, I will never die. You will not, you know, it's not some kind of false confession here. He knows he's going to die. He's aware of it. In fact, in the scriptures, it tells us that the prophet Nathan, on one occasion when Nathan was prophesying to David, Nathan even specifically said to him, just as a reminder, David, you're going to go by the way of your fathers. You know? And so in 2 Samuel 7, Nathan said this, the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. And when your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. And so God says to the prophet Nathan, David, you're gonna, one day you're going to die. So when, when David writes here in Psalm 16, oh, thank you, Lord, because you will not abandon me to the grave. He's, he's not delusional here and saying, well, I'm never going to have to go to the grave. He knows he's going to die. But what he's saying here is, what he's expressing is that he won't stay in the grave. What he's writing about here is a future hope. What he's talking about is spending eternity in the presence of the Lord. That though, yes, his body will one day decay, he, God will not abandon him to the grave. And this is why then he starts talking here about, you have filled me with joy in your presence. And there, there will be eternal pleasures at your right hand. Because he's already looking to that day. When he will be in the presence of the Lord and not abandoned to the grave. Now, why can he make this, this statement here? How can he, how can he be so, so sure of this? The answer is the next part of verse 10. Nor will you let your Holy One see decay. Nor will you let your Holy One see decay. Those of you who are good Bible students, you know that this is called a messianic passage of Scripture. And in fact... Peter, in Acts chapter 2, when he's preaching this great sermon at the day of Pentecost, Peter quotes Psalm 16 in Acts chapter 2. And he says to us in Acts 2, Peter does, that David was speaking as a prophet about the resurrection of Christ. All right? David is looking a thousand years down the road from where he is. David is about a thousand BC until the time of Christ. So David is looking a thousand years. God has shown him. In his heart, in his soul. And he's expressing the reason why I know, God, that you will not abandon me to the grave is because you have shown me that you will not allow your Holy One, the Messiah, Jesus, see decay. In other words, because I know confidently in my heart, because you've revealed it to me, God, a thousand years before the cross, that Jesus is going to rise from the dead, therefore I have confidence that I won't be left in the grave. And his hope for eternal life is on the basis of this messianic promise that because Jesus lives, I too shall live. 
Do not believe what Jehovah's Witnesses will tell you when they come to your door. They will say to you, when you die, you experience soul sleep. And that you're just in the grave. Listen, friends. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When a believer knows Christ as his or her personal Savior, the moment you breathe your last and you exhale is the moment that your spirit, which is your soul, separates from your body and your soul goes to, goes to be with the Lord. Now, your body will decay, Okay? The Bible says, from dust you were made, and to dust you shall return. Science bears this out. The human body is the exact 17 chemical elements as dirt. It is. And you will return to dirt just because we were fashioned from the dust of the earth. But if you know Christ, you see at the moment of death, it's a transition. It's not finality. It's a transition. And your soul will go instantly to be in the presence of the Lord. And this is why David looks prophetically ahead. And even to the day that he dies, and he says, because the Holy One will not see decay, that's why I know you will not abandon me to the grave. Because there will come a day, Lord, when when I pass from this earth, my soul will go to be with you, and you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Do you know that? Do you know that for yourself? Do you know on the day you die whether or not you're going to go to heaven? This is the path of life. And it begins with acknowledging that Jesus is Lord. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. He's speaking of the difference between a physical death and spiritual life. David sees this. He says, I, I've, I've taken this path of life. That's why I can go from crying for help to having hope. That's why I can go from being concerned to being confident because I know where I'm going to go when I die. That at the end of the day, I'm going to have hope for now because God is my Lord and I'm going to have hope for tomorrow that whenever that day comes, I'm going to be able to spend eternity with the Lord. There is a finish line. There's a finish line right here. That's why Paul writes about how I have kept the faith. I've pressed forward to take hold of the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's using language of a runner, straining at the finish line. It's like, I want to finish well because at this point then, you see, I cross over into all eternity. David sees this as a place where there will be fullness of joy in the presence of God and eternal pleasures at God's right hand. My question to you is, are you as able and as confident to say it like David did? Or do you have any doubt today of where you'll spend eternity? Because if you do, I want to invite you to trust Christ as your Savior and to settle that question once and for all so that whenever you do die and cross this little finish line, you'll be able to spend eternity with the Lord. If you're young and you're here today, don't think to yourself, well, that's a long way off for me, so I'll make the decision at some other point in my, in my life. I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. 
I've done many more funerals for people under 40 than for those over 40. You don't know when you're going to die. Nobody does. But you can know that you're ready. We're so glad you joined us for Pastor Gary's message today. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching in the book of Psalms and that God is whispering the words of comfort and strength to your heart. If you'd like to learn more about Cornerstone Connection, visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you can hear all of Pastor Gary's messages through this book, as well as the entire Bible. Be sure to check out the companion resources while you're there, found under the Teachings tab. These digital study guides are meant to give you even more insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done and are available free of charge to you at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about how God is working in your life. Feel free to join the conversation on our Facebook page or check out what's going on at Cornerstone Connection on Twitter or Instagram. We're here to chat with you in person, too. So give us a call at 703-771-1500. Let us know how we can be praying for you. That number again is 703-771-1500. That's all we have time for today. Pastor Gary will have much more to share from his verse-by-verse study through Psalms when you join us again, right here on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, you're not alone. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Hope is an open ocean, jump in and you'll find the cornerstones. Your connection run towards your new Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.